0: Uh, welcome to another edition of Resistance TV. Uh, This evening we're going to be speaking about the activities of Palestine Action. We've spoken about Palestine Action on a number of occasions on Resistance TV. But I'm absolutely delighted this evening that we've got uh, Ronnie Barkin, who will be our guest tonight. Uh, Ronnie, many people will be uh, well aware of of Ronnie's uh, reputation, his acumen as a dedicated activist. He's uh, an Israeli dissident uh, activist with Palestine Action. And uh, also the co-founder of uh, Boycott From Within, uh, somebody who is a very strong uh, anti-Zionist activist uh, and a real inspiration. So, so it's fantastic to have Ronnie with us this evening. And Ronnie, just uh, get you on the screen and just talk a, a little bit, perhaps, if we can, to begin with, because uh, you were arrested. And I know we can't go into too much detail about the, uh, uh, the court case that you will be facing uh, next week. Um, but you were arrested because you were involved in the action against uh, Elbit uh, Systems, their uh, uh, Bristol headquarters, and I'm sure our viewers will be well aware of, of Elbit. For those that, that aren't, it's an Israeli uh, arms uh, company that's got several bases here in the UK, and there's been a concerted effort by Palestine Action to really try and close Elbit Systems down, to really drive them out of the of the country. It's an absolutely immoral. Uh, uh, of, well, I mean, there's a whole issue about the arms trade, per se, but particularly in relation to uh, this uh, Israeli uh, company uh, and its involvement in the uh, suppression of the Palestinian people. And it's really interesting speaking to uh, uh, other activists in Palestine Action, Ronnie, when they have told me that when they've spoken to local people living nearby uh, the uh, uh, elbert uh, factories, when they realise what it is, that they're very uh, hostile to to Elbit, and actually very supportive of uh, the activities and the the efforts of, of Palestine Action, is that something that that you've found in, in your work with Palestine Action as well?
1: Yes. Uh, hi, and thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I have uh, whoever I've been speaking to since uh, um, the action of the year uh, from last year. Uh, i have received a lot of uh, support from different people uh, when we organized uh, some uh, information uh, event informational event here in brighton where i'm staying i'm currently under house arrest in brighton um, i've been uh, just sharing posters for the event and everyone was on board everyone was excited about it uh, and you mentioned that in other uh, facilities, Elbit facilities, where, for example, Shenstone and Oldham, uh, near Man- near Manchester, where mm-hmm. uh, such actions took place, the community was on board. I mean, initially, they didn't know uh, what this unassuming uh, building was all about. But once they realized, once they, they have been basically educated and, and learned about the practices of Elbit Systems and how horrible and barbaric that company actually is, uh, they uh, have organized themselves uh, uh, to show support outside of that factory. Uh, and there was a big celebration when Elbit had to shut down its factories in, uh, in Oldham. Uh, it has, you know, over the past couple of years, uh, due to ongoing direct actions by a person action uh, and many activists who were involved, Uh, Of the 10 sites uh, that uh, existed that were producing these murder machines by Elbit, two of them have been permanently shut down, the one in Oldham and uh, the former headquarters in London. I took uh, part uh, in an action, along with others, uh, on last Nakba Day, May 15th, um, against the Elbit headquarters in Bristol. Uh, And when we mentioned the Nakba, uh, I would like tell the audience, to remind the audience that the Nakba is not only a historical event, uh, it is an ongoing process. The the Nakba is ongoing, it is now 75 years to the Nakba ethnic cleansing and all the other horrible crimes Israel is responsible for, and which Elbit, uh, being the largest arms manufacturer in Israel, uh, is not only a part of this crime taking place part of this crime by proxy. They are actively on the ground with the Israeli forces, in some cases, perpetrating these crimes.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously you're saying you were arrested following the action uh, in Bristol against Elbit. But unlike the other activists, you were actually remanded in custody, weren't you, for around a month or or longer? And As you're saying now, you're kind of under under house arrest. What if you could say a little bit about that and also I believe that you were injured as well, weren't you, by the security uh, staff at Albert Sisters. So maybe you could say a little bit about being held for all that time uh, and also how you were treated by the security staff uh, when you were on site.
1: Yeah. So again, without going into too much detail, because all of this will obviously be discussed in court later on in the coming weeks. Um there were nine who got arrested uh, for the action of last year. Uh, two of the nine, uh, including myself, are Israeli dissidents. Uh, and and while uh, basically everyone uh, was held on remand for a few days, for almost a week, uh, and later on released, the two of us who are not British citizens, uh, actually Israeli citizens, we were uh, held on remand for a month. Um, so that is Stavitsy and I and myself. Uh, and uh, obviously the experience uh, in prison uh, is not a fun experience uh, to anyone, uh, but it is also a very educational one to see the system of oppression from up close. Um, I can also compare a little bit between, uh, you know, the few uh, incidents where I was kept uh, overnight uh, in detention for participating in nonviolent demonstrations in the West Bank uh, yeah. And then seeing the judge the next day and released usually uh, after a day. Uh, and I can tell you a bit about, you know, the differences between the Israeli prison system and here. Uh, but uh, all in all, obviously, I think that the most difficult part of being in prison is the lack of agency. Um, and and having someone else who definitely doesn't have my best intent. Um, um, you know, who doesn't have the best intentions or uh, in heart uh, take uh, ruling my life and deciding on every aspect of my life um, so as you mentioned i was actually injured um during that action of last year i was uh, i suffered a fractured rib uh, by the uh, i was assaulted by the uh, security guard elbit security guard and, and that is how i arrived uh, in prison, basically uh, with a fractured rib, so that was uh, on top of everything else. Yeah. On top of the prison experience, that was uh, something to deal with, uh, yeah. and I needed obviously uh, to get uh, the proper medical attention and so on. And that was very difficult to do uh, within right. uh, the prison. How,
0: how, how did the how did the prison staff treat you, Ronnie? And and what about the other prisoners? I mean, were they aware of your uh, moral stance that you were taking? Were they sympathetic to it, or
1: Oh no! Some of them were. I mean, I was happy to talk about it. Uh, and uh, there was this bond that was uh, created between myself and other uh, prisoners. I mean, when we talk about uh, Palestine and about why I was there, um, obviously most prisoners, uh, they don't, uh, they're not that aware of the situation. So I yeah. have to, to educate a few uh, and to just discuss these issues. Um, yeah, about the Prison staff, I would say that they were most of them were uh, relatively acting in a professional way, but that doesn't mean, um, yeah, that um, that they were that they are treating the people under their care, uh, okay. uh, you know, with respect or or giving them their basic needs. I mean, it is all in the hands of the prison guards. And uh, this is a very oppressive system in itself. It is quite, uh, it was quite sarcastic that in the educational um, building, they had a quote uh, by Nelson Mandela saying that uh, education is the uh, weapon of the oppressed. And that was kind of, that slogan was there. In the educational uh, facility within the prison.
0: Yeah, and uh, it sounds like you were doing a bit of that yourself then, in terms of raising people's awareness about the reality of the situation on the ground in Palestine. Because, like, as you say, the, the way in which the media cover the situation there, you know, we get a very jaundiced uh, picture. We don't really get, you know, to the truth. I mean, you know, the way in which, for example, the the, the appalling incursions into the Al Aqsa. Moscow, for example. I mean, it's referred to as a contested religious site on the BBC, and it's just totally appalling, uh, biased uh, reportage. So it's be surprising, I think, that you know many people don't don't fully appreciate or understand the, the reality. Although I think I think consciousness is being ra- raised. Uh, I think more people are uh, now aware of the situation. That's my experience, anyway, Ronnie. I mean, uh, what do you think? I mean, I think certainly through the activities of Palestine uh, action, um, and there's obviously the big uh, rally on the weekend, uh, you know, to celebrate Kurds Day. Do you think that's cutting through now? Is that your experience that it's cutting through? I mean, you mentioned when you uh, were talking about local people near living near the uh, various elder system sites that you know that they were sympathetic, as I was also saying in my introduction. So, you know, it does seem that we're sort of pushing it to an open door when people hear the reality of. Uh, the situation there that, that, that people, I think, tend to come on board.
1: What do you think? Absolutely. I think first and foremost, there is the necessity to take action because of the horrible crimes that are uh, perpetrated by Elbit, and I will be happy to elaborate on that. Other than that, it is also a great way to mobilise and to uh, educate. I don't want to say it in a patronising way, but just to to inform people about these crimes uh, that that have to be uh, basically faced uh, head-on. And because basically the UK government is not doing its obli- it's not basically uh, uh, following its obligation under the law, not UK law, not international law, uh, because they, under the law, will have to boot uh, Elbit out of here. But since they are actually becoming complicit in this crime, it is basic, up to us, the people, to to speak up uh, and to make sure that the law is being um, uh, basically uh, followed. Now, I think that the, the, the taking action, and especially the way that Pastor Action is doing this, this is a, a really good way of also focusing people on the things that matter. And when you mention al for example, uh, you know that the acting uh, Israeli ambassador, Tzipi Khotovelli, is um, uh, her dream, according to her, her dream is to have the Israeli flag waving on top of the Al-Aqsa Mosque, meaning like the destruction of the mosque and uh, taking over that place and building the third temple on top of it. And we are hearing, because the discourse is becoming more and more explicitly racist, explicitly fascist, explicitly Zionist, uh, we are hearing more and more of this crazy talk, uh, for example, where uh, you have people who are attempting to slaughter a lamb on the grounds of a aqsa mosque because of some thing that they interpret from some book, which is a very false interpretation by the way. Um, they are trying to to create facts on the ground and follow their dream of establishing the third temple on top of uh, the mosque. And this goes as far as the ambassador or goes as far as high-ranking diplomats and uh, ministers in the Israeli government. So, but the important thing to know is that this new government with Netanyahu and Ben-Gvir is finally taking off this facade of normality and liberalism uh, that Haaretz newspaper has been working so hard to maintain for the past 75 years. So the greatest form of propaganda is not that which is all based on lies, is not uh, the, uh, you know, what people imagine when they think of propaganda, which is all blatant lies. The greatest form of propaganda is that which takes the facts but sugarcoats it or gives you a whole other interpretation, a whole other narrative that is totally, goes against the real issues at hand and kind of tries to focus on something totally different. And that is what Howard's newspaper is all about. And that is how they manage to create this facade of normality and liberalism and democracy or flawed democracy or something like that. There is not an iota of democracy in Israel. It was bound, This was founded on everything that's opposed to democratic values, everything that's opposed yeah. to equality, the rights of minorities, multiculturalism, and so on. It was founded from the grounds up as a race state. It is a Zionist race state. This is the definition of that place. It is carrying... On, It is perpetrating apartheid for the past seven decades, along with all sorts of other crimes, including colonialism, including military occupation, which didn't start in 1967, it started in 1948, and on and on. So Mm -hmm. this is what we are dealing with, and when we understand it in that context, it's not about tweaking the situation. There is no conflict in Israel-Palestine, which is the exact same spot of land. There is no conflict there. There is a system of oppression, a brutal, barbaric system of oppression, which Elbit is is a key player, a key element in. And that system of oppression has to be abolished. There's simply no other way of going about it. And now well, with I- this new government, when with this new type of discourse, yeah. finally, we have a chance to point at the issues that matter, at the, at the actual things that matter, and what is needed in order to abolish that system of oppression and bring about a future that will respect the rights of all the people of that land.
0: What do you you make uh, to the uh, the political class in this uh, country then, Ronnie? We saw the Prime Minister entertaining Benjamin Netanyahu uh, recently. Um, I mean are they exacerbating the situation in your opinion or just what's your thoughts on on both sides of the political spectrum in the House of Commons?
1: Yeah look I think that um, Again, the government here is uh, showing its true face by, by welcoming, you know, pulling the red carpet for Netanyahu, lending legitimacy to what Netanyahu and his government stands for. And what is interesting is to see uh, these rabid uh, Zionist organizations speaking more and more of an apologetic discourse. Even the Board of Deputies and all the others RSP, uh, i don't know labor friends of israel all of those they are speaking more and more of a, of a, an apologetic discourse because they understand that what netanyahu and his new government are showing the world is doesn't doesn't sit with well with most of the audience so they're trying to do what haretz that i mentioned a moment ago has been doing all along and finally i'm happy to say that i mean hopefully it is failing in its mission to show this better face, nicer face of Israel. You see the most rabid Zionist organizations trying to speak that discourse because, uh, because otherwise they know that uh, this is a lost battle as far as they're concerned. What's so your it's
0: thoughts not, about the... I'm going, sorry, sorry, keep going. You know, sorry, I'm, I'm just
1: saying it's, it, it's not necessarily what the uh, UK government is doing because it is just carrying on uh, its tradition of uh, supporting uh, the settler colonialist uh, project in Palestine. Uh, but yeah. actually, it is about the people of this country um, basically realizing what this is about, and hopefully standing up against the crimes that the government is complicit in.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, well, I mean, you know, in terms of the complicity of the British uh, government, we go back to to the Balfour Declaration, can't you? And uh, you know, it's it's, it's been this uh, um, almost a tacit approval. I mean, you know, essentially. You know, they've been handing Glover, it seems to me with the with the, with the Zionist entity but I'm just going to wonder what your thoughts were about the role of the Israel lobby in bringing down Jeremy Corbyn the Corbyn project and you know in in Jeremy Corbyn uh, we had the potential I think of a prime minister being elected who you know genuinely was sympathetic to the Palestinian cause and Certainly so my opinion, anyway, you know, the, the thing that really destroyed the Corbyn project more than anything else was the capitulation to the, the Zionist lobby. I know there were other factors and obviously the the referendum, the decision to hold the second referendum on the European Union was the final sort of coup de grace. But, but what's your thoughts about the role of the of the Israel lobby? Because I mean, we even heard Benjamin Netanyahu you know, talking very critically about Jeremy Corbyn. I mean, Am I right when I when I say that the Israel lobby had a very significant role to play in actually destroying uh, the Corbyn project in this country?
1: Yes, you're absolutely right. And we know from the Al Jazeera reports, uh, Al Jazeera investigation about the Labour files. There was recently also an interview with uh, Ford uh, about the issue and how uh, the Labour was actively, even the, the Labour in themselves were undermining uh, Corbyn. But um, I think that what we see is that um, First of all, I am very much opposed to any and all conflation between criminal supremacist Zionism and Judaism. There is no connection connection between the two. I talk about it quite a bit. They are based on the exact opposite values. And I'm not here to defend Judaism. I don't care about this or that uh, religion, but I do care about the false conflation between the two. And any and all conflation between Zionism and Judaism is in itself anti-Semitic, because it is in itself treating all Jews as one monolithic group you know, whenever yeah. an Israeli representative says, and you see, you hear them saying it all the time, they say something like, "If you are critical of that Zionist state, the state of Israel, you must also be anti-Semitic." And that the logic of that statement necessarily says that if you are Jewish by religion or otherwise, you are necessarily because of that quote-unquote Jewishness supportive of that criminal apartheid regime. This is what it says. So basically, it's just just like saying all Muslims are are terrorists. They're saying all Jews are apartheid supporters and supremacists Mm. and so on. No, there is a very clear distinction between Zionism, which is a form of white or racial supremacy, and Judaism, which is a religion. Now, the problem was with Corbyn himself, uh, which I have a lot of sympathy to Corbyn, the person and uh, most of his politics. The problem was, that he took the apologetic tone, the apologetic uh, uh, standpoint, and he tried to convince the world that he was not what he was accused of, where actually, obviously, all these accusations were totally false, rather than clearly standing up against uh, those, uh, the this, this slander campaign against him. The moment that he took the apologetic tone, he lost. So, unfortunately, I see Corbyn uh, as digging his own political grave uh unfortunately and and obviously the whole institution was helping him uh to do that uh first by expelling uh, his supporters and obviously uh trumping up the, the the all these like the slander and accusations against him now i would object the 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 sort of this uh comparison between corbyn and say bernie sanders who represent very very different things bernie sanders as far as uh, internal politics in the U.S. Uh, are concerned, maybe he represents something different. But as far as foreign policy, he is just as criminal and supremacist yeah. as any other U.S. Uh, yeah. president or challenger to the presidency. So, you know, he, he even refused to call Israeli war crimes uh, war crimes i mean in in his, in his interview with Mehdi hassan he refused to call it a war crime about what israel was doing in gaza in his interview with uh, Dina takruri he was uh, uh, when he was questioned about israel uh, the possibility of having one state with uh, you know the same one person one vote in palestine he totally rejected that and he said i do not want to see the the Ending the abolishment of the state of Israel, because yes, having one person, one vote would mean the abolishment of the race state and establishing a democratic, legitimate place, state on top of it. Of course, that is exactly what that means. But yeah. but people like Scanders refuse that. People like Corbyn, as far as I understand, support the rights of all the people of that land. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Uh, it is a very tragic situation that he did not manage uh, to to become the leader of uh, the UK. Then again, if he would have become the leader here, I don't think that he would have been uh, alive for too long because the Zionist state would literally would not have allowed that to happen. Because having, it's not like Ireland, it's not like South Africa. When if you have the you know a, a, a NATO country with a veto rights uh, uh, led by a person like Corbyn, that would mean the possibility of the abolishment of the Zionist race state. It only takes one such country for the dominoes to start falling.
0: Oh, indeed, indeed, indeed. I was gonna say, uh, Ronnie. then, I mean, just moving on from that, a little bit, I mean, do you think the, the Zionist lobby uh, is guilty of, of overreach that, it, I mean, I saw just to be just for example in this country now uh, that you know some criticisms being even leveled against uh Keir Starmer, who kind of you know, in many ways led the charge against Jeremy Corbyn, but I mean, even he's sort of now being sort of in the crosshairs, as it were. I mean, and I also saw uh, the other day, um, I can't remember where I read it now actually, but somebody was saying that for the first time, this is amongst Democrats in the United States. Mm-hmm. The people that identify as a Democrat actually a majority now, apparently, are more sympathetic to the Palestinian cause than they are to the you know the Zionist uh, uh, entity in that sense. So things seem to be moving. Um, I mean, is that because people are just going to be more aware? Or is, it, or, or is it, as I suggest, that maybe the Zionist lobby is guilty of overreach, pushing too far? You know, uh, I don't know. What's your, what's your thoughts on that?
1: It's interesting to see, for example, the sentiment among uh, American Jewry versus the sentiment of those Israelis who immigrate to the US. Uh, and they have very different uh, political views about, obviously, about Israel. Uh, and they, have, they hold very different values. So you see different communities who are supposedly uh, on, should be. Uh, sharing the same values, they have very different values. Um, And yes, I think that those uh, people abroad, even those who grew up in Zionist households, like many of those, uh, the Jewish population in the US, uh, they are basically, you know, pushed into the corner and kind of, uh, they need to reevaluate where they stand, and whether their blind support of the Zionist state actually sits with their values. And you see many people like that who some of them have been, uh, I don't know, people like Peter Beinart, for example, who, who has been cheerleading for the Zionist uh, race state. He has been the worst of the worst, uh, the, the, one of the greatest opponents of Palestinian rights. For the past decades, he is kind of slowly transitioning. He's still not an ally, far from being an ally, uh, but he's slowly transitioning into this position where he will eventually have to reject Zionism altogether. He's still clinging on to his Zionism. But but because those who consider themselves as you know, peace-loving and uh, humanists and so on, um, they're in a bind. They don't know what to do with this state, especially when it exposes itself for what it really is, like with this new government. So I think that that uh, is something that... It, you know, each person, each individual has to undergo this kind of transition. And the fact Mm -hmm. that the Zionist lobby has such an overreach, as you put it, is actually just exacerbating that process. So Mm -hmm. I don't mind the Zionists showing their true face. I don't mind them Mm -hmm. meddling with with, uh, American politics and and UK politics and so on. I think that that only shows their uh, true character.
2: Although, I think I
1: know basically, you know, we should just face them uh, yeah. and, and, uh, and challenge them for what they really are. And, sure. and it's not it's not this or that policy. People think that if we only change the policies of the state, and I alluded to that before, if you only change the policies of, of that state, no, it's not the policies of that Zionist state. It is the very character of that state that is criminal and wholly legitimate. And that has to be yeah. challenged.
0: No, indeed, indeed. I was going to talk a bit about, because I know some people have said that, you know, the the way in which the Zionist lobby conducts itself actually exacerbates and generates anti-Semitism rather than actually... uh, Yes, Zionism uh, is the greatest
1: anti-Semitic force in the world. I said that any and all conflation between criminal supremacist Zionism and Judaism is in itself anti-Semitic. You see, you and I are uh, anti-Zionist because we are humanists. But I have uh, many uh, Jewish friends, ultra-Orthodox friends, who are anti-Zionist in every bone because they are Jewish, oh, yeah. because of their Judaism. I've seen it, Zionism yes, absolutely. Zionism is greatest yeah. threat yeah. to their Judaism. Yeah, right?
0: yeah. yeah, yeah well, I mean, I've seen rallies in the United States with thousands of Orthodox uh, uh, Jewish demonstrators, you know, opposing Zionism, opposing the State of Israel. But just, just let me move on. Uh, uh, of course, we're running short, short of time now, uh, uh, Ronnie. I just want to talk a little bit about um, the situation on the ground, you know, in Israel, actually. And, and obviously, as I've said mm-hmm. in the introduction, you're a co-founder of Boycott from within, and I was listening to uh, an interview with Norman Finkelstein recently, and uh, I just want to get your take really on on what you, what your sense is as to the opposition uh, to the, uh, you know, the, the, the Israeli state uh, and the support perhaps for a, um, you know, a, a state of equal with equal rights for the Palestinians and uh, and Jewish Israelis across the peace, which would be the end of the kind of Jewish supremacist state. I mean, the the, the population in Israel seems to keep electing, you know, f- very extreme right-wing uh, governments. Although, in normal Finkelstein's opinion, is that there isn't much choice. Either it's extreme right, to too far, you know, uh, uh, far out <laughs> there, you know, <laughs> on the outer extremities of, of right wing. There isn't any kind of left wing alternative. But but he was quite sceptical in this interview I saw him speaking about support on the ground um, from regular Israelis said that you know they'll come out in their tens of thousands in opposition to this kind of fascist government which has recently been elected he said but where are the well the Palestinian people he says I don't mean just a handful of people here and there that have been that but he says they don't come out in their tens of thousands for the for the Palestinian people so what, what's your thought I mean are you optimistic about moving opinion is it going in the wrong direction in your opinion in, in Israel itself or, or what?
1: So I am optimistic, but not thanks to to the Israeli public or Israeli society. Uh, So, first of all, I have much respect to people like Finkelstein and Chomsky, but I challenge their politics uh, quite a bit. Both, um, who are very knowledgeable about the situation, choose to only focus on the occupation of 67, what I call the minor occupation. This is not the main issue. The main issue is not that horrible and barbaric occupation of '67, and there are no words to describe how barbaric the situation is in Gaza, which amounts to possibly the crime of genocide. And at the same time, the Zionist race state is not about that minor occupation, but actually the way it was founded is all about ethnic cleansing, denying people from actually living on their land and denying equality for those who remained on that piece of land. Because not everyone was expelled. Those who were expelled are denied from ever coming back and those who remained are denied equal standing. And this is how the whole framework was founded, the whole legal system, the whole uh, every apparatus of the state was founded based on that and to maintain that system. So we have a situation where one third of the population, about 7 million people, are among the privileged group that I belong to and they control the lives of another two thirds of the population, half of which are in forced exile for the past seven decades. This is the situation and this is why Israel is an apartheid state from the get go because people are denied the right to even live on their land because they were born into into the wrong ethnic racial category. Now, I would challenge the terminology of Jewish supremacy. There is no Jewish supremacy. There is white supremacy or racial supremacy, if you will. Uh, Whiteness, by the way, is a construct. If anyone is uh, kind of uh, confused about the term white supremacy, whiteness is a construct, and I can explain why uh, the Zionist state is a white supremacist state. Now, it is not a Jewish supremacist state because when... People claim, like organizations, like Zionist organizations, like B'Tselem, who peddled this discourse of lies about Jewish supremacy, um, they, by acknowledging as if Israel promotes, quote-unquote, Jewish supremacy, they lend legitimacy to the greatest lie within Zionism, as if there is some connection between the Zionist state and something that is can be construed as Jewish where the only thing that the Zionist state does is to use and abuse Judaism to justify its racial supremacy. So my nationality, according to the state, is Jewish. My fellow citizens in that state, their nationality is different. We are both Israeli citizens, but we have different nationalities because the legal system is based on making these distinctions between those of quote-unquote Jewish nationality and all the others, the Uber mentions versus versus the Unter mentions. Now... Other than all of that, uh, going back to Finkelstein and and his uh, attitude, um, I think that obviously there is no left in Israel, never, ever existed. There was never a left wing camp in Israel. You have different forms of Zionism, two forms exactly, the honest Zionists and the liberal Zionists, which is Mm Haaretz newspaper, 972 magazine and so on. But the honest Zionists, this is what you see now with the emerging government. They are racist and they are proud of it. They say this is ours and only ours. This is an exclusive state and we are proud of that. These are the honest Zionists. My my argument with them is not about uh, facts. My argument with them is about morals, about moral issues. With the so-called liberal Zionists, they are not only lying to the world every moment of every day, they lie to themselves oh. because they need to feel that they are moral and Zionist at the same time. So I would argue that the choice is and, and these two uh, these two uh, communities, they don't get along. They will never get along because their whole identity is so very different. And is their identity, those liberals, they cannot accept the settlers, uh, in the West Bank, and the settlers in the West Bank will never accept that false discourse of so-called liberal Zionism. So you have this rift. There were okay uh, the schism, um, and I think that what is happening is that the far right is becoming more and more mainstream. The building of the Third Temple and all of that is becoming more and more mainstream. That honest Zionist discourse is becoming more and more mainstream, and in the short term, it is dangerous because this will come at on the backs of Palestinians, and we have to do as much as we can to protect the Palestinians under the Zionist boot. But in the long term, I think that this is our greatest opportunity to overcome Zionism and, the Z- and, and abolish that Zionist state and build something that respects the rights of all the people of that
0: land. I mean, perhaps in conclusion, then Ron, just how are you treated in Israel well when you know when you are uh, when you're there? I mean, I mean, obviously you're involved, you're dissident, as you say, you you established. Uh, be a boycott from within uh, movement. I mean, I, I mean, do you feel safe when you're there? Um, tell us a bit about that.
1: So, um, I try to not be uh, the number one enemy. I leave that to people like Gideon Levy and so on, who you know, who who have who have that kind of image. Um, but uh, I do have to watch out. I do have to watch out because there are crazies out there. You see, the government. Yeah. The, the government, they are mostly, they, you know, they, make it, they make it their business to know. And they are concerned about the things that they don't know. Whatever I do, I do publicly. I mean, yeah. I'm unashamed of, of what I do and what I stand for. So they know what I stand for, and they don't give me trouble at the airport. The only time that I got arrested at the airport was when I went there to do an interview actually on live television and then they and then all the undercover agents came and then arrested me and so on Mm -hmm. but but they don't usually they don't give me trouble at the airport but they would definitely make sure that i know that they know that they are kind of you know we're watching you we're on you we're on your back but at the same time there are many many crazies out there so i do have to watch out uh for myself for the family there and so on um But obviously, we are regarded, I mean, all Israeli dissidents, and there's just a handful. I mean, we we know each other by name. I mean, the the entire Israeli left is is, is an insignificant number of people, a negligible amount of people. Um, Yes, we are regarded as traitors. We are regarded as uh, a fifth column and worse. Uh, And uh, yes, that means that we have to watch out. And we also have to watch out from so-called leftists, uh, not only from the far right. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. I see we got uh, Sean's uh, joining us now, I think probably to give some sort of uh, audience reaction. But just before I bring Sean in, uh, uh, Ronnie, just tell the audience uh, where if people want to follow your work, whether they can follow you on social media or any other uh, online presence that you might have. And where's the best place for people to go to to yes. follow what you do?
1: So you're welcome to follow me on Twitter on Ronnie underscore Barkan. And um, there's also other social media, but I think that Twitter is the most useful. Um, maybe I will take the opportunity to mention uh, that I was also denied legal aid unfortunately for so I have to crowdfund for my legal defense so uh, there is on crowd justice uh, a crowdfunding campaign uh, because I have to to raise quite a few quite a bit of money. Uh,
0: I'm more than what's, halfway what's the there. What, what's the link for that, Ronnie? Because we can uh, promote that. Could, do you know what the link is off the top of your head? For that? Yes,
1: I think that is crowdjustice.com slash help. No, slash.
0: Sorry. Sorry. I'll tell you in a moment. Sorry. It's okay. Don't worry. I've rather sprung that on you. I should have let you know. Yes. We crowdjustice.com
1: slash case slash help Ronnie.
0: Right. Great. If we could maybe get that put up on the screen as well. That would be, be handy. Um Sean, any uh thing you want to add from uh what people have been saying in the chat about Ronnie's uh, comments this evening?
2: Hi, good evening. I just wanted to jump on and say hello to everybody, all the listeners, and um I'm back. Hopefully I'll be back every week now. Um, I have been suffering in the a very lingering chest infection. So I do apologize for my absence. As quite a few people been asking where I've been. I want to um, welcome um, the usual people that tune in every single week and thank them for, for watching and for sharing what we do here. Um, Atcha John, Diana Islis, and Paul McCord. Um, there's quite a few others. Um, Kira from Ireland is a new uh, a new watcher so uh, nice to see you Kira thank you for joining us from Ireland there's been some really good comments in the chat this evening um, we have a question from um, SBG SKF uh, no name just some letters he's asking what other UK companies collaborate with Elbit systems do we know
1: so first of all I mentioned that there were 10 sites uh, owned by Elbit now eight uh, remain. So the rest are subsidiaries of Elbit, including UAV engines, including Utax. Um, so, and that, you know, there is a lot of collusion between Elbit and others, Elbit and Talus and Raytheon and BAE. I mean, there's a, a lot of uh, working together there. Uh, but, but there are eight uh, sites, and uh, if you go on pass an Action uh, website, uh, palaction.org, uh, you will find more details.
2: Thank you for that. Also, NASA Mashadi has left us a message to advise people, don't forget to join the Al Quds Day March uh, for Palestine, which is going to be held in London on Sunday the 16th of April. Uh, They'll be assembling at the Home Office, which is SW1P4DF in London, and marching down to Downing Street. So make sure you take your pots and pans and your signs and make as much noise as you possibly can. Um, Kira says um, she's put some really astute comments in here. She said... Um, white supremacy con- uh, is white supremacy construct of European colonialism. European Christians needed to justify their displacement, massacres, rape, and pillage of local populations. So first, Christian civilization, white supremacy. Um, let's see what else we've got here. Um, Acher John says, "Face the Zionist entity and its lobby." Interesting. Yes, I agree. The more Zionists meddle and reveal their agenda and methods, then the more we can attend and learn and to see them off. Kira said it it needs to be discussed more, America's reliance on Israeli military and security states. Israel has intentionally focused on its security apparatus as an economy and to play ball with the US. Now, that struck me because I know this week there's been some news about Joe Biden has now starting to tell Netanyahu that he's not going to, continue to cooperate with them. And I know there's been some some friction there. Do you know any more about that, Ronnie? Can you elaborate on that for us?
1: So I don't know about that, but uh, I, I can imagine that the US will be the last ones to uh, let go of their uh, support of uh, Israel, I mean I the first time that I traveled to the us I told a friend that I'm coming from the fifty first state. I'm coming to visit the mainland sorry I told I told her that I'm coming to visit the mainland because I'm coming actually from the fifty first state. So you know they, there is this quote which which I think is quite telling uh, of this former American general who said that Israel is a, an American um, aircraft carrier that cannot be sunk and doesn't require any American soldiers to maintain. Because you have a wall-to-wall support for the U.S. in uh, the Zionist state. Uh, obviously, it's not you know the U.S. has a, a boots on the ground or, or military uh, bases throughout the world. There's actually only three countries that the U.S. has never set uh, foot uh, there, like uh, with its uh, military personnel. Um, and uh, but but the Zionist state, Israel, is the entire state is its military base, and obviously carries out its. You know, there is a symbiotic relationship between the two. So I don't think that things are going to change that easily. At the same time, I mentioned before that as far as public opinion goes, that could change dramatically. So it's not, there is a very strong support between the regimes, the U.S. government, the Israeli government. uh, And that, I don't think that that will change anytime soon. But at the same time, the sentiment is changing. And that is something that we have to keep focus on. But I will only mention it. one more thing, uh, you know, because we, we talk about Balfour, and Balfour was a well-known anti-Semite, and yeah. many like him supported the Zionist project because it was a way for them to rid themselves of the Jews of Europe and so on, um, because Zionism goes hand in hand with the anti-Semitic uh, uh, aspirations, but at the same time we have to remember that both the Balfour Declaration and even the UN partition plan, which was an unfair plan to divide Palestine, they in themselves were very unfair decisions, but at the same time they were talking about that that what they called the Jewish state, the Zionist state, will respect the rights of all the people in that territory. The Zionist state could never ever accept the Balfour Declaration or the UN Partition Plan. The very first thing that they did was to drive away the indigenous population because in the Zionist thinking, it is inherently an exclusive project for them and only for them. So it's not only that they are settler colonialists and came in to take over the land and the resources and so on. It is also about establishing a place for them and only for them. And when when the partition plan offered that in that place that was supposed to be the supposedly Jewish state, there would be two types of population sharing that space. That goes against everything that the Zionist project is about. So the very first thing that the Zionists needed to do is to expel the vast majority of the population from that land and then obviously make sure that those who have been expelled will never be allowed to come back. Mm, yeah.
2: yeah. Well, ju- just before I hand back to Chris then, um, I just want to encourage people who are watching this, if you keep finding yourself coming back to our channel, please consider subscribing. Um, We're here every Wednesday. We talk about a range of different uh, subjects. Please click the like button because that helps push out our channel um, on YouTube. It's very hard to get that exposure. Um, so that would be a way of helping the channel uh, free of charge. It doesn't cost you anything. Um, and come back and uh, see what we're doing. Hopefully next week we've got Mike on from Thetford 20 Minute Neighbourhoods. And he's going to be talking about the 2030 Agenda uh, agenda 2030, which is encouraging councils to turn their towns into 20 minute neighbourhoods and it's quite a controversial subject it's going on in Oxford um, and Thetford are fighting back so Mike's going to come on and tell us a lot more information um, about that I think that's me done Chris I'll hand that okay. to you
0: okay thanks very much indeed any any final comments uh, Ronnie before we close the show out tonight so
1: First of all, I, I have to mention one more thing about Elbit that I haven't mentioned so far and which is important for me. Elbit is not only uh, participating in crime by proxy, by developing their weapons for the mil- Israeli military, for, for, by working, by trying out and perfecting their weapons literally on the bodies of Palestinians. They have been on the ground f- taking every takeoff and every landing of their uh, killer drones, the Hermes 900, during the 51-day assault on Gaza, as the Israeli Air Force were dropping the bombs. So Elbit yeah. was literally flying those vehicles that were bombing Palestinians. This is as criminal as they are, and this is why it is so important, and I'm very looking forward to that trial that will uh, start next week. So oh, I'm going in there uh, yeah. uh, in high spirits. Right.
0: Well, listen, thanks very much indeed for coming on the show this evening, Ronnie. We really appreciate your thoughts and you taking the time out. All the very best of luck for your court case next week. Uh, I'm sure that if people want to go along, they'll be able to sit in the public gallery to show their solidarity. I guess there'll be uh, maybe, I don't know if there's going to be demonstrations outside, I don't know if you know that. But anyway, people want to show their solidarity, it'll be, is it Is be the uh, Bristol Crown Court, I assume. Is, uh, the Correct. The, in Bristol Crown place, court. Yeah.
1: I know that the yeah. seatings are limited, uh, but there will be quite a few people probably uh, outside. Uh, yeah. Showing
0: yeah. So anybody who's in the area and wants to show their solidarity, court. then the court case starts next week. Uh, and uh, is there a court number? Do you know? Yeah. Or is it not that big? I don't know. Bristol Crown court. No, no worries. It's not, it's not like the old Bailey then or anything like that. It's <laughs> not going to be that big, is it? Yeah. Well, again, thanks very much indeed, as I say, Ronnie, for for coming on the show this evening. And thank you, everybody, for watching this evening. And as uh, Sean says, we'll be back next week at the same time, 7 o'clock. So until then, enjoy the rest of the evening and good night.